Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. What? we've got here is failure to communicate. Nine times. Mr. Brown, Mr. White. You know, for kids. Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? I see dead people. 1.21 shakawas. Their obsession. I'm gonna make them an offer again with you. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Their words. I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? I drink your milkshake. Someone else's movie. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god, not the god. Directors, screenwriters, actors, and film fanatics record feature-length audio commentaries for the films that changed their life. I want you to get up now. How come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's the sidetrack. Do you think you're out of tune? Consequence Podcast Network. Support for this season of Assembly comes from the Improv Asylum in Boston, Massachusetts, and New York, New York, Consequence of Sound in Chicago, Illinois, and New York, New York, and Catherine Beckett in Brooklyn, New York. If you'd like to support Assembly, visit our website, www.theassemblypodcast.com, or you can email me directly, theassemblypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, we're about to start. Here we go. Got to be warned And I've wronged The pattern of the beast of this shore She's foaming up at the lip You see, getting warmer in the middle She's carrying all the trash away More than just a little We're warned We've got to move away from this shore The Modern School of Film presents Assembly, a look at what brings us together in parts. My name is Robert Malazzo, and I'll bring you what I see, what I hear, and what I learn. Now, let's start the assembly.
I thought that the best way to start this final part of our assembly is the same way we began it just four parts ago, with a full disclosure. So, for the final time, if you'd allow me, I woke up this morning wondering if today was either the first or the last day of David Cross's assembly. I actually woke up last night wondering it too, but the question was sweatier and more panicky. The answer, of course, is it's both. Today is both the beginning and the ending of David's assembly. However, it's also the ellipsis. We got together this season to explore and maybe understand a little bit better how David puts together a new act of stand-up comedy. But, big but, who knows for how long or even if he'll continue to develop what he started. Work or life or some unforeseen human upheaval on a scale we've never even contemplated before could alter what he's doing so significantly that tonight becomes the end of these jokes. Though I seriously doubt that last thing I mentioned will happen. I, I mean, what are the chances, right? But let's not talk about Fairly Wells now. It's Friday, and in a few hours, David and a sold-out room of 100 comedy lovers will get together and shoot the shit and see what happens. In super lay terms, David's writing new jokes. Well, drafting new jokes. That's how I see it now. It's funny, when I first reached out to David about exploring the process, I wasn't thinking I'd be sitting over his shoulder as he sharpened his pencils. But I also never thought that his way into writing would rely on the chemistry of a room. It's a pretty fickle chemistry. No pressure, room. In a profession that is far less sexy than meets the ear, maybe something more tangible than chemistry would be less challenging. And anything less challenging wouldn't be as funny. But when David looks out into the room, when, as Sarah Silverman told me, his stuff hits the air, what is he thinking? And who are some of the people thinking back at him, breathing the same air? It's funny how unfunny basements are. Closets, though, are hilarious. (laughs) Here's the final part of the assembly. David hit the atmosphere. What's your name and what do you do? Uh, My name is David Cross. I make uh, cookies. Computer, I mean, uh, that you get on your computer. Not the thing you eat. Not Famous Amos. No. What does go on in your mind when you're on stage? Your mind. It's, it's, for me, there's two things happening. Currently, I'm subconsciously just working uh, and intuitively trying to write the bit, sell the bit, perform the bit in the best way I can, which means pausing, cadence, tonality. Uh, And I'm not thinking about it. It's just, it's happening. It's, it's happening subconsciously. And the other thing is, uh, barely consciously, I'm noting the room. I'm, I'm noting how things are being reacted to, and I'm adjusting. This is a little different because it is so loose, and I feel like I can kind of get away with stuff and be more in the moment. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, and I can comment on stuff. And once I start doing the set, I'm kind of on tour, and it's weak or show number 37, and I'm in, uh, you know, Saratoga or wherever the fuck I am, and I'm doing it, and I'm having a good time, and I'm doing it, my mind will wander. You can be doing your set, you're doing a bit for the hundredth time, and you're doing everything, you're selling, you got the points, you're doing it, and, uh, and your mind just wanders, and it's like, it's the weirdest thing, and I, you can literally be thinking, not in a really clear way, but you can be thinking, Oh shit, I didn't turn off the stove. I need to turn off the stove. I think I turned off the stove, did I? Oh yeah, I did, because I left 
Yeah, I did. I let, I uh, I did. I double backed and I turned off the stove. Okay, we're all good. And then you just kind of come back and you're in the middle of your bit. Theater actors probably have know what I'm talking about, especially when you've done it oh, a million, million times. It becomes like muscle memory and sense memory, and you're just doing it and you know how to do. And uh, maybe it's different with acting because there are other people on stage. But when you're doing a monologue and you're standing there, yeah, I mean your your mind can wander. You can you'll know you'll see people. You'll see somebody. You'll you'll. Uh, see somebody with their arms folded with a scowl and you think what's up with that guy I wonder if I should do and you just start thinking about the stuff and then you come back to your stand up and you do it and there's uh, uh, occasionally you'll go you'll come back and you finish the bit and you're like uh, what was I talking about uh, oh yeah diapers um, I mean, you know that'll happen it's it's the weirdest oddest thing that uh, the human brain is capable of I was thinking of you know my football analogies this morning but when the 49ers played the Bengals and Joe Montana was quarterback, there's a moment in that last drive and everyone's tense, like, lead us here. And you know what he did in the huddle? He said, hey, there's John Candy. <laughs> yeah. When you think of that, does, is that a mark of it's really working? Like it's all connecting? Or is it just kind of a weird metaphysical no, pop? I, no, I, I don't think there's anything gener- necessarily uh, positive or negative about it. It's just a thing. I, I think... The only thing it really denotes is that I've I've got it down by you know it's all memorized I suppose that's the only thing it's so memorized and I've got everything all you know again the cadence of performance I pause here I raise my voice here and I point over there and that you've just done it so many times you your I guess your brain allows your uh, your mind to wander you know I don't know that you'll be able to understand it unless you actually do it but uh, I know other stand-ups know what i'm talking about i can't i can't really describe it it's just it's a i've been doing it so long that it's it's just such a natural state of being for me (laughs) it's just a heightened way of being Uh, my name is Patton oswalt i'm a comedian when i'm doing stand-up i mean when i'm on stage i'm very very present in the what is happening absolutely right now i rarely i I mean i'm very lucky in that i don't really do shitty gigs anymore it's usually a theater that i want to do in front of a crowd that i want to be in front of and so I'm not like kind of switching my mind off and going, let me just plow through this shit. I'm doing my act, but I'm also enjoying watching how the audience is, is enjoying it or, or not reacting or reacting. That to me is all, I'm very, very, you know, in tune and, and present for that. I like it. I never really float away. I do think of, I, I can think of different variations on something that I'm doing. Like, oh, what if I add this later? You know, something will come up. but. I, I don't really do the whole, oh, I got to go pick up milk or I got to return that, you know, um, I, I, I want to be there for the show and why, I mean, the crowds fascinate me. So I want to see how they react to things always. Yeah. I, I'm in my head, but present. That's the best way to, to describe it. Do you ever turn to the audience and see yourself? <laughs> no, not really. Do you ever have that moment like the tightrope looking down? Oh, fuck. You don't know how to move forward or backwards. Have you ever been stalled on stage? Um, Sure. Uh, 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 more so when I was like coming up. But uh, there have been shows I wasn't ready for. You know, and I can think of some specific ones where I just was, I shouldn't have done it. And I got talked into it. And, and also your narcissism, or your ego makes you think, uh, oh, uh, excuse me, potential spam. 
your ego says, oh, I can, okay, I'm not ready, but I can be ready. I'm good enough. I'm a professional. I can do this. And then, you know, you're on stage and after about 30 seconds, you're floundering and your stuff isn't ready and you realize it and there's 3,000 people. And that's happened a couple times. Uh, sometimes it's okay. And sometimes it's just, you walk off stage going, why'd I do that? Why did I do that? And then sometimes you are ready and you just, I did the uh, TV taping, hosted the gala at Just for Laughs. And because it's a taping, the the audience is lit, which is is not preferable to me, the entire audience, you know, and that happens with any taping, really. But And I was towards, I mean, I was over halfway through with the tour, so I had done 50 shows at this point. And, uh, you know, it's a very prestigious thing, and I was very honored to be asked to do it. My opening set was was not good i just got thrown somebody said something i didn't hear it correctly i was like what and it just what i was not connecting with the audience even though they were happy to see me you know um i just oh and i i made a mistake that i've made several times before and i just don't learn my lesson um which is to try a new joke something that occurred to me on that set you know and i'll come out and uh i've done this at least a dozen times in a big show, big important show, and something happened on the street or whatever, and I come out and I open with this thing, and people are like, huh? I mean, literally, I'm doing like seven to 12 minutes to open up, and I, I've certainly got enough out of an hour and a half to, <laughs> to pull seven and a, to 12 minutes, but uh, again, it's kind of like an ego thing. Like, oh, I got this, and sometimes you don't. Afterwards, you just go home. Yeah, it's late, dude. I got a kid, you know. I mean, these shows, if it's the 7.30 show, then I'll definitely stick around. Uh, and usually, you know, one or two people there, and I'll I'll have a beer or two. But tonight, uh, and I can't drink because I'm on these medications, so I'll just go home. And uh, I was thinking I might not even be able to ride my bike, which I usually do, like the way I feel now in these muscle relaxants. It's going to make the show a little more interesting. We'll see how how sharp I'll be, you know what I mean? The fact that it took me a while to remember the phrase, how sharp I'll be, is uh, significant. Um, so we'll see. So yeah, probably just going to call a cab and just hop and go home. And Because I'm going to have to get up at seven with a kid anyway, you know? Remedially, because I may not find you again on tour, what are the next steps? The next step, uh, there's like three phases, really. Four, I guess. There's this part, which is part one, phase one, which I'm almost done with, which is just completely informal, fucking around uh, stream of consciousness stuff and then the next thing is Littlefield I'll drop one of the special guests and I'll do more time in between and they'll f- start to feel like sets I'll still fuck around but that will have less fucking around and more it'll be a longer set that will f- start to feel like material is feels like it's should be next to each other the bits um, that's phase two and then I'll move to a bigger room than that which is Bell House and then it'll just be me still talking to the audience still not not trying to present a set you know beginning middle and end and that'll be uh, when I really sit down and ask questions and go okay because by the time I get to the Bell House I have constructed it like I think it should go and then I'll ask the audience and and last time the audience was extremely helpful like applied what they had to say less of that more of this put that there don't do that there you know um drop certain bits that you know nobody liked and then the next phase which is very short you only do maybe two or three of them is you just do the set here's the set that's it and and that's it the great thing about doing this is 
one of two things is going to happen. Either I keep doing it and I develop material, I keep accruing material, and I work it out, I workshop it, I shape it, all that stuff happens, and then I go out on tour. Or work comes, and I put that in my back pocket. It's all good to go. I just stop doing stand-up this way, and I do sets occasionally here and there. But all the work I'm doing is not for naught. It will eventually see the light of day. I was looking at kind of the bigger calendar and and I was like, even if I got this ready, I don't want to go out in the summer. I'm not going to do that again. I went out, I started the tour, the last tour in the summer. I would want to start in the fall and go fall through winter um, or winter through spring. Why don't you want to tour in the summer? Uh, It's just the shows aren't as, as, as good for me. Is it you or the audiences? I think it's the audience. You know, I'm not seasonally affected. <laughs> Summer David and winter David. No. Um, Aside from the calendar, when do you know if something's ready to, to play the big room, so to say? Oh, there's nothing you could point to and say, oh, I got uh, 92 laughs ready to go. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's uh, that That's something that one would tell oneself, you know. Can this structure be changed? Okay, this is the last one because i got to go. I'm sorry, man. Can this, right. <laughs> Can someone else use this structure? Or do you have to have a certain latitude and longitude as a, in your career? Like, can a young comic do it? Uh, sure. If you, if you have uh, people coming to your show and willing to sit through kind of fucking around, then absolutely. Yeah, anybody could do it. It's a, 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 a somewhat obvious approach to putting a set together and it's not like I have some patent on it and everybody's welcome to do it if it works for them um, yeah I mean it, it works for me it's fun and as I said it's like it's my audience and it's it's just a it's a pleasure it's never you know it's never not anything short of really fun and sometimes it's really really fun and then occasionally on very special nights it's really 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 fun were you an artist stand-up comedy and is that an art uh yeah sure hey man thank you so much all right thank you and i'll see you tonight i'll see you tonight all right cool i'm glad you're feeling a little more upright yeah each season i seem to find myself back in brooklyn for some reason i'm like gabe kaplan or something Union Hall is a bar in the Park Slope area of Brooklyn, New York. Union Hall is a well-appointed but surprisingly loud bar, made even louder by, I kid you not, two bocce ball courts laid out side by side, inside, in the main area of the bar. Grandma definitely didn't get her comedy here. Underneath, or downstairs, or in the basement, There's a modest stage and a performance area of about 100 seats. Very cool, very cozy, low ceilings, super intimate. And you can actually hear the person you're sitting next to or standing with. So it makes sense that David would want to stage this first stage here. My name is Janine Garofalo, and I am a stand-up comic. What is alternative comedy? Can you put that one to bed? I don't know. That is a... (laughs) What I consider alternative comedy, since that term exists, is people doing stand-up in a venue that is an alternative to a traditional stand-up comedy venue. Mm. But the reason I think there were articles written between 92 and 96, a lot of times myself and David mentioned, was alternative music broke. And I think some journalists in Los Angeles and New York decided to just categorize some of the comics like myself and David, uh, who were doing shows like Beth Lapidus' show, Luna Park, uh, as alternative comedy. 
myself and David and a lot of the comedy comics were dressing, I guess, the way people who like Weezer dress or <laughs> pavement or, you know, Ween. Liz Fair, Juliana Hatfield, because it is a taste issue. You know, you tend to have a certain style of comedy, a certain taste in music, a certain style of dress, and like-minded comics tend to find each other through music and politics and outward appearance sometimes, uh, things like that. There was a, a definite similarity between myself and David and Laura Keitling or other Emerson comics and Karen Kilgariff and Beth Lapidus and Moon Zappa and all of these people. And David was a, he's an icon. Do people come to see him or his act? It's both. People come to see him because he's David Cross from Mr. Show with Bob and Dave, from Arrested Development, from all manner of things. David means something to them. So does Bob. That show means something. Arrested Development means something to, to people, but, but really uh, Mr. Show. And those are the toughest fans in the world because, boy, they feel betrayed um, when David or Bob go outside of that zone. They come to see David because they admire and respect him, and they come to see what he's going to say. It's like seeing a band to a lot of people. There are people that travel to see David, and, oh, my God. Was that your question, by the way? You said, do people come to see David or the stand-up? Because I, then I thought, did I mishear you? No, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it. No, he's an icon. He's, he means a great deal to a lot of people. Excuse me, are, are you here to see David Cross? No? Okay. That's okay. Hi, uh, can I talk to you about David Cross? He's here tonight. Did you know that? No? Okay. Can I talk to you for two seconds? Because uh, I heard you say <laughs> David Cross is here. Maybe he is. He will be here. Uh, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Darren. I was originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I live in New Jersey now. Awesome. What are you doing here at Union Hall? Uh, I'm celebrating a friend's wedding. Did you know David Cross was going to be here tonight? Uh, I did. I did. I looked up this venue, and then I found out that he was going to be here tonight. I'm like, oh, I hope I see David Cross tonight. Who is David Cross? He is an amazing comedian. He was on um, one of my favorite shows, which I'm blanking on, with um, Jason Bateman. And um, shoot, I'm just terrible with names. Pronouns are like the worst for me. But uh, I find him to be hilarious. He's asking the audience for feedback on his new material. Do you think that's brave, or do you think that's standard stuff? I think that the thing about a comedian after seven or eight years, you learn to read the room. And I think that, so I, I find that unusual. What do you think of Brooklyn? Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. What do you think of the fact that David's going to be here? I mean, in the sense of this is a super neighborhood spot. Is it strange that he would try out? He's trying out some new material here. Is that interesting, strange? Why wouldn't he do that here? I would think it weird if he was in like Las Vegas trying new material. Actually, I saw David Cross in Las Vegas walking through the, the Aria Hotel once. I'm like, oh, that's fucking David Cross right there. And I was like, huh, I'm not going to bother him. <laughs> so you didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that guy, but I still wanted to be that guy. Just to sort of like let him know he was appreciated. Do you think David's work engenders the that guy syndrome? Mm, I don't know. In the sense of do you think he comes off as accessible? No, not, not to the, the mainstream. How does he come off? He's smart. <laughs> Before the unfortunateness befalling Aziz Ansari, he's a very smart comic, and he doesn't care who his audience is, right? So he, he actually would say that very frequently. There's like certain people where he didn't want to be mobbed by certain types of people because he thought that meant that he was watering down his material too much. Can David ever do or say something publicly to put you off? I'm sure he could. Anybody could. 
do you think comics are in a bad spot now these days with the again the roman coliseum that we live in of the thumbs up thumbs down culture do you think it's a, it's a tougher time or do you think it's an interesting time i think when you go to a comic show people who like comedy there's like going to an action movie there's a suspension of disbelief and so there's a suspension of sort of the rules of to some extent what you can say and you, what you can't say so i think that there's in some ways it's a safer space for taking on things that are more controversial for the sake of humor I think it's one thing when people think that you're doing this as an act and another thing when they actually believe that's who, who you are. Uh, last question. You're here on a school night. I'm always fascinated by people who are bars at school nights. Bar nights will get old for me when I feel like I'm old in a bar. Arrested Development. Ring a bell? Arrested Development. Thank you. Oh my God, why, can't I, why couldn't I remember that? I couldn't remember that. So, Arrested Development. Thank you for reminding me. What's your name and where you're from? I'm April Osborne. I'm from California, <laughs> Southern California. I live in Bay Ridge, just far south of here. Uh, what brings you out here tonight? Uh, we're here to see David Cross. Uh, I think we're both, we were both big Arrested Development fans. Have not followed David's career significantly outside of that, but, you know, decided to see what he's got going. So your point of entry for David is Arrested Development? Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And I am on the Union Hall calendar emailing list, which is how I heard about it. What are you expecting tonight? Um, I expect that he's trying out material for something. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of comics do that around here, so I assume it's going to be... We're, I can't remember if we're later or earlier in the run. I think, um, I think we're later. Yeah. So I assume it will have been run through a bit, and we'll yeah. see. Do you know the processes he's going to turn to the audience at the end of and ask for feedback. Does that cow you or does it interest you? I don't have a problem with that. I think Amy Schumer heckled me and like years ago and I hold it against oh, her still. Right. It wasn't a big deal. We were at like Eastville Comedy where we got also free tickets and we were signing the check and she did not like that we were signing checks. I don't know. And we were trying to be as quiet as possible but she thought we were being too loud and so she yelled at us for interrupting her set. It, it felt like heckling. I, I don't mind giving feedback, that's fine. That sounds like a much more uh, positive toward the crowd. <laughs> if the tickets were twice as much, would you be as forgiven? I might be a harsher critic for more expensive tickets. Twice as much is still not that bad, but I probably we probably wouldn't have jumped on the tickets as quickly as we did. This is kind of embedded in New York, this thing. Yeah, yeah you said it happens, but is it cool that it's so commonplace, or does it feel less special because it's so commonplace? Uh, I mean, we've been here for 10 years, so we're kind of used to it, but I think it is one of those things that like makes living in New York worth it. Um, I think there are a lot of annoyances about living in New York and getting to do cool things like this, and where it is like an easy thing to do on a Friday night without having to get in line for hours and hours or travel a significant amount of distance or even pay very much for a ticket. Uh, is one of the great things about New York, and I think we appreciate that. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, Alexander Kavan, and I'm from Plentywood, Montana. Plentywood, Montana. David and I were talking about Montana today. Oh, uh, why? I'm recording his process to put a show together, and he thinks it won't be informative. And I said, what about that young, up-and-coming comic in, let's say, Montana, who may be listening? Yeah, I actually used to do stand-up comedy in Montana, so... And David is a huge influence of mine, so how uh, prophetic of, of you to think of that. Have you seen David uh, do stand-up before? Yeah, I saw him last year. Where? Uh, the Bell House. That show was the one where he coined the name. Yeah, where he coined the name. He asked the audience, and they 
responded overwhelmingly. The names he had were very rough and, and too punny, I think, for him. And I think that's, I mean, I think a lot of his fans probably recognize that. So, I, th I mean, that was kind of my take on it. And uh, someone shouted out, and I thought it was, everybody thought it was great. Do you still do stand-up? Not as much as I did in Montana, because New York is a whole different show. Uh, it's a lot of, like, hustle. New York is like, you want to do stand-up comedy for a career, whereas, like, Montana was, it had a stand-up comedy scene, very supportive. Um, I think it's still going pretty good now. Uh, it's been a couple years since I've been back, but in New York, you, you run around to a bunch of open mics and hope, you know, you get, like, three minutes after two and a half hours of everybody getting drunk and all the regulars going ahead. So it's a lot more demanding, and that kind of turns me off about it, but I still do comedic stuff outside of that, for sure. I came here with about $6,000 and barely made it, and then uh, ended up just essentially uh, getting lucky with a job and still here, still here, still holding on. I'm a software engineer by day. What do you think of being part of this feedback system? Did you offer feedback before, or would you offer feedback if David wanted feedback from the audience tonight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always had a respect for his, like... He usually does like smaller shows for sure and, and takes care of his, uh, especially his New York City fans. I mean, this show is much cheaper than what he'll eventually go on tour for. His connection with his fans is a lot more intimate, I feel. That's something to look up to. And the fact that he still continues it today is something to also take into consideration. Uh, he has obviously honed his craft in, in a certain regard that works with being closer to his fans rather than uh, being someone huge, not to uh, knock anybody like someone like Jeff Dunham, you know, the, the puppeteer, sells out like huge stadiums all the time. And he's very talented, you know, and deserves it, but like his intimacy is probably a lot lower with, with his fans. Last question, are you excited about being part of the development process or are you just going to sit back and, and see what happens tonight? Oh, I try to participate if I can, but uh, probably not trying to heckle him or be that, that guy. Hey, David, these guys are from Montana. These are the guys you were talking about. I, I didn't want to interrupt. Pleasure to meet you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming. Great show. Uh, thank you. And uh, that, that's my... Uh, so I got to go. Bye, Dave. All right. But keep talking to him. All right. You seemed a little starstruck. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, huge influence for me, but also I think he has more of a wide-ranging fan base, bigger than, than the people who directly love him only for stand-up. And I think if you can get past one of these crowds, then, you're, I mean, he's been in New York a long time. He, he knows what he can do. So here we are. It's all over but the laughing. Well, first the laughing, then the talking. David's about to work the room. No more Greek chorus or mentors or friends or family members, thank you by the way, or phone alarms or muscle relaxers that I know of. It's just David and what's on his mind and on his music stand for some free range comedy. Then he'll bump up the lights. So tug on your ear and come back. Rubber, meet road. But now this. Here in the break, I'd like to tell you about the Modern School of Film. The Modern School of Film is a school where I get to teach you how to make things, creative things, your things, work that is your voice, like assembly maybe, <laughs> classes in making, storytelling, documenting, writing, culture, sometimes plain old movie watching. Oh, and occasionally we'll teach you how to take a punch or two. Thanks, Professor Dolph Lundgren. 
And Professor Wesley Snipes, <laughs> if you'd like to take one of our online courses, please visit us, www.modernschooloffilm.com. All the information is there. You can email me directly if you have any questions. Also, follow us at Mod School of Film. I'm so grateful that students from around the world take Modern School of Film classes. And I'm even more grateful to have learned so much more than I could ever teach. So check us out. Now, back to the assembly. Welcome your host for the evening, David Cross. Uh, so yeah, how, how's how's everybody doing this Friday night in Brooklyn? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, do, is there any, uh, do, anybody have any questions? It's not going to be great. It's going to be good. There'll be moments of greatness, but that's what this is about, just kind of writing on stage and building on what I started with, and that was not good at all. Trust me, the first two, they're never good. Um, but uh, they get, they, they're, they're fun. And, uh, and I've definitely got, now, at this point, I have material. I mean, I, I do. You'll see. Uh, the, because um, the, I have three guests... Uh, and they're they're bringing it. They're they're they've got their A game. They're they top notch stuff. So you will be entertained at some point. Sometimes if I if I if there's ten minutes of me like and you're going what the fu-? you know somebody will be on here and they'll be boom all their you know stuff that's been worked on. This is uh, I'm working on stuff. So the the first part this part right here uh, is is about as loose as it's going to get except for the very very end. You'll see. Um, but in the middle, I'll be doing bits that I started, uh, whatever it was, you know, uh, nine shows ago, and they weren't that really uh, realized, and now they're becoming more realized. And I'll, I'm still experimenting, so I may, a bit, if you've been here, I know there's uh, a number of people who come to several of these, and, and if you saw a bit that was really good in, like, show number five, and now I'm like, I may be fucking with it too much so that bit will go down but i'll learn and i'll ask um that's another thing this is all interactive you are we're all one here uh um uh i mean there's a there's a phalanx of security here if you (laughs) dare speak out but if uh no but this is all i want to hear from you you know and and uh and i'll talk to you at the end of this and and um and it's fun i enjoy doing it and this first part, very loose, uh, just just saying hi, um, and uh, uh, but then I'll be doing like bits, some bits again, killer, and some need work, and some that'll be the last time it's ever said out loud, it'll be never said again. Sometimes it'll be said here, but never, I'll never bring it out because I you've told me not to, um, but uh, I've been on. Uh, I've been on drugs for since Monday. I had a laser surgery on my left eye on Tuesday. I didn't know. I had a show Monday night, and I did not know when I scheduled these shows, and I knew I was going to have that uh, operation on Tuesday. I didn't know that the day prior, they wanted me on drugs all day before I went in. So that show was interesting. Uh, Yeah, I got some good stuff. It was very, it was, 
It was, I was really swimming though. I was really, uh, it took me a while to find the, the word or the concept. Uh, and it was, it was, oh, and I was also drinking. I wasn't supposed to drink, but I was like, fuck it, I'm going to have a beer. And that turned into two and three. And, uh, um, and I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and I, I uh, punished myself by um, having more drinks. And um, so that, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. But I'm, I, I stopped, I was on gabapentin, if you've ever been on that. It's like a muscle. <laughs> it's a muscle relaxant that just makes you go like, mm. and I've been on that. What? Um, it takes more than the edge off. It uh, uh, turns you into a doughy mass, really. But I mean, you can get that. I mean, I I don't. I've never. I had never had it until this thing. But my dog has it. My dog's on gabapentin, amongst other things, for real. Um, and I didn't realize I could just like. I mean, I can literally get gabapentin for my dog, forever, forever. I can do it forever, and then just always feel like this. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, it really kind of, it, it's sort of like you're sort of, you know, dragging some weights underwater. And uh, um, uh, what was the point? So, oh, I stopped. I stopped as of today. I'm not, I'm supposed to finish the bottle, but I feel all right. Am I, it's not hurting as much. And uh, um, so I stopped the, the afternoon one. So I, I'm better, t- I, I can tell you right now, I'm better right now than I was on Monday. That's for sure. Um, I'm not giving that audience their money back. Fuck that. Um, but it was still good. And lessons were learned, and uh, we all had a good time. And I was so fucked up. I think the show ran, because I, I tape all these shows, and then I'll listen to them later. And I think the show ran, like, it was well over two hours, which is not not right. Um, but seriously, does, are there any questions? Because I've got, I got a, a bunch of answers. Uh So right here is where I'd play you those three 10-minute sets David did of his new stuff. But ever since I first approached David, he's made it clear, please do not show the shit I shot. So I shan't. I shall not show the shit he shot, which is cool because that was never the point. I never cared much about the jokes he made or the laughs he got. It's always been about dialogue. And David agreed. So this is that. If anybody was offended, you can come up and hit me and it's not I'll be like alright <laughs> now's the time to hit me <laughs> what bit were you most surprised by tonight working oh, that's a good question um, well I didn't try too many really new things like there's one bit that I uh, I did a lot in the last tour and then I dropped it fairly early as my set expanded and you know if you do 80 shows your shows expand because you're riffing and stuff and and i always try to keep it to an hour and 15 minutes not counting an encore but that's the sweet spot you don't want to go over that and then you just start dropping stuff and there's this bit that i did that i like i keep meaning to do it and i don't do it i don't know if i'm gonna if i've got it i uh i mean i want to be as funny as i can be let you know what Let's just do a, tr- I, I can do this, I can do this. Let's just do like a traditional kind of Q&A. Any, any questions anybody has? Is uh, this the highest you've been on stage? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't say I'm high, I'm just, 
you know, I'm on drugs. I'm not, but it's medic. It's like medicine drugs. So no, I took mushrooms with a bunch of friends in San Francisco decades ago, and uh, we all knew we were doing sets. It was it was all people who were going to do. It was at the the old improv in the the Fisherman's Wharf area, and uh, we all took mushrooms and we were drinking and. Uh, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't good. Um, and also, and I, and every time I can handle my liquor, but I don't do well with weed or hallucinogenics. I get paranoid that everybody knows I'm high when nobody does, nobody. And then I'll say after 60 seconds, like, okay, I'm really high. Uh, and um, what? When I working with Bob Odin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bob Odin and I have, uh, you know, we t we're trying to get Kinkos back. We're doing a thing where, yeah, like, what happened to Kinkos? And uh, um, here's this is for real. I had this idea. I was talking to Bob about doing a comedy camp where we do it, like, you know, in upstate or something, Poconos or whatever. Two and a half days, and you get cabins, and you stay there, and probably. Wouldn't be cheap, that's for sure, but you'd, you'd have to get yourself there. But then we'd feed you, and we'd have cabins, and then he it would be Bob and David's comedy camp, and we'd get a bunch of our friends, you know, performer people. We'd have shows and kind of interactive-type things uh, for for a whole weekend. Uh, and then at the end, like, whatever it be, Sunday night, Bob and I would put a show up with all our friends. And um, I, it, it's wrong to say that we're working on that, but that was an idea. I floated. He loved it. So maybe there'll be a Bob and David comedy camp. It's it, it could be really fun. It could be a disaster. You know, um, I said this to him. We're gonna have to get like a wedding planner, like literally a wedding planner, to come in and like work with us on this. Like, how how do you feed people? And you know, where did knives come from? <laughs> you know, like, uh, just like delegate that all that stuff. I don't give a shit about what the sheets aren't three hundred count. What all right. Um, uh, yes, sir. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, you didn't do much politics this time. Are you thinking to stay away from politics this time? No, not really. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. Any, I mean, there's. I haven't found. It hasn't occurred to me a new. I, I've never liked that kind of. Uh, nothing against these people, but I don't like the the kind of strip show. Bill Maher. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Those are temporary. They've all been said. There's not no. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a, a, a truly clever take in a year, two years. And they're they're funny. They make me laugh, but it's such a temporary thing. Like, I watch The Daily Show, and but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't stay with me. And I don't know how to get past that obvious thing, and I don't know what the new angle is, and I've, I don't know what else to say. I can't believe that people are so... Uh, I mean, of course I can believe it. I, I grew up in the United States, uh, so of course I can believe it. I grew up in Georgia, uh, and maybe something will occur to me. I hope it does, but I haven't thought of any kind of fresh new, like, oh, no one's thought of this before. Are you worried about cancel culture? Yes and no. I I have had some backlashes for, for two things in particular, but I haven't done anything that I think I don't... I, I don't think I've done anything that's egregious. I'm positive I haven't raped. And I haven't jerked off in front of anybody. I haven't uh, made somebody feel like, you have to blow me if you want to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I've never done that. And um, I have said things in, in I look back on that was like, oh, that wasn't cool. But it hasn't really 
I, I, I just don't have that shit. And, and you can go through my stand-up, and there's really... Um, there's a handful of things that I said that are definitely, like... I did a show, a benefit for a children's... <laughs> raising money for, um, like, I think, Catholic children's charity thing. And uh, Alanis Morissette was after me. And I did this character. <laughs> this thing I'd been doing... And people didn't know... They didn't know me as well as, as, as people might know me now. And um, could I get another one of these beers? <laughs> also, anybody can leave whenever they want. This, the show is over. It's officially over, so you can don't don't feel bad. So it's this character that was a well-meaning. His name was um, Ainsley McTree, and I had my hair back, and I'd come out with a guitar and a. Um, um, thank you so much for coming. My name is Ainsley McTree, and uh, these are songs meant to rise the spirit and rouse and you know whatever. And I'm the whole time I'm just tuning, and I don't know how to tune a guitar or play it, and. Um, I would talk about the plight of the Native American and, and the genocide and how we took the land. But then it got into very graphic language about what we did, you know, symbolically, you know. And we skull fucked your children, you know. And it, it was just like, whoa, wait, you know, the idea, the joke is like, he's really well meaning and earnest, but that's inappropriate language to use. And, uh, <laughs> and I did that. Uh, and that's definitely something I think if you, it was really, it's still funny to me. I mean, I get the joke, but if, if for somebody who's like, uh, uh, hypersensitive, acutely sensitive, maybe is the proper thing to say, I could see how if somebody found that and, you know, be like, this is bullshit and, you know, this is, uh, racist and it's wrong and it's awful. I have a handful of those things from the past. It's a little unsettling. At least I can say why. It, it, there aren't very many bits I had where I was like, fuck you, I think it's funny. You know, I think I can defend the context of what it is and what it meant. Um, class is not over. <laughs> Again, you know, please, you can leave. I'm just, this is fun for me, it's self-indulgent. It'll be better when I get that beer. That beer's going to be great, because this is hot. I've had this for a couple years. And, I'll, and also, uh, when I'm done with this question, if you have any... Any comments about any of the bits, like, I like that line, why don't you do this, anything, I'll take them, I'm, I'm happy to, I, I, I appreciate they they help me, but, uh, I'm sorry, my eyes are all over the place because I can't see, but you're over there, yes. What did you think about Jeffrey uh, Epstein? You know, I miss him. <laughs> but I do, hang on, before I get to that, it just occurred to me. Because he hung himself. What a, what a missed opportunity for autoerotic expectation. <laughs> you would think that'd be his last. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. That's the cover-up. That's the cover-up. <laughs> Are there any bits you thought, that's not good, or what if you did this, or did anything occur to you? Have you thought about using actual... I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> Have you thought about using actual quotes from politicians when doing the politician bit? Like Biden says a lot of very interesting things. Oh, no, that's a great idea, though. That's a great idea that I will use. Um, <laughs> seriously, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, I could cobble a bunch of them together. Um, maybe, God, if there were enough that I could just pull from everything and make one crazy monologue that's all based on real shit, you know, people said. Politicians lie, even the ones you love. Uh, I love Bernie Sanders, but I'm sure he's 
well, maybe not Bernie, but but everyone else, <laughs> like pulling some bullshit about, you know, I was in, you know, Ames, Iowa, this woman came up to me, and da-da-da-da-da, and it's just bullshit. It's like the same as when preachers and rabbis tell a story about, I was at Key Foods. This is a preacher. I was at Key Foods <laughs> with uh, the Talmud in tow, and the young woman, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I don't want to make it just Biden, you no, know? You, I mean, crazy shit politicians say, like, I run a trivia night at the Double Windsor, and I've done, uh, like, I've, I've done, like, guess who it is? Is it Biden, Trump, mm -hmm. Putin, or sorry, Stalin or Hitler? And you'd be surprised. I would not be surprised. Yeah. It, it could be anything. It's just, like, any kind of random quote, and you have to guess who That's said a good it. idea. I'm going to uh, take you up on that. Uh, I, I, not that you offered it as a thing. I'm just taking, I'm I'm stealing it. My gift to you. Oh, wait, thank you. I will take you up on that. That's a, that's a, that's a good idea, and it's... Uh, it's clever, and uh, it's cool that at the end I go, guess what, motherfuckers? This is who said it, and then, you know. Okay, well, uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, I do appreciate it. And, uh, all right, I'm still talking. All right, sorry, thank you guys so much. And loving surgery. How was that? What? Did you learn stuff tonight? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll know until I listen to the transcripts. I think that I riffed a couple a couple good things that I will definitely use, but I'll have to listen to it. Does this exhaust you, stand-up, physically, at the end of the night? Uh, not really. I'm usually kind of amped up. I get exhausted when I get home, but the... When I go out on tour and the grind of it, yeah, it can be very exhausting. Are you waiting for this phase to be over? You, know, you talk about phases. Are you done with this phase mentally looking for the next phase, the bigger room, the bigger house? Uh, well, I know that it's coming and I'm just sort of enjoying this, the, the luxury of not having to work really and just going, hey, I'm just fucking around and doing that. And then... You know, we'll move into uh, Littlefield where, where it'll be less of that and more. That's where the work will start coming, where I'm pair this stuff down and, and focus it. Thinking of this almost like in terms of cocktail napkins of thought or paragraphs of thought, you talked a, lot, a little bit about this process with Bob and Mr. Show. Is that kind of how you beaded it out? Is the riffing of stand-up different from the riff riffing of sketch, let's say? Yeah, because sketch has a beginning, middle, and an end, and you have a concept. And... You know, it can be high concept or low concept, but it's it's uh, you're telling a tiny little story in three minutes and stand up is different. It's a monologue, first of all, and it's a guy. You know, there's no theatricality to it. Not not like a sketch has. Where were you looking during the set? I was watching your eyes a little bit. Where, where, what's your eye line? What are you literally well, you looking at? You can't see anything. It's just dark, except for the bar. You can see the light of the bar. But so I'm just looking out. I look down a lot. Uh, I've watched, you know, when I have to edit a special, I'm just, I look uh, at the ground a lot, at the floor, and I pace. And when I'm looking out, I'm looking out into the darkness. You can't see. Hey, Mark, how are you? But, um. When do friends come to see it? Like my close friends or my wife or anything. I'm like, no, no, I've discouraged people to come at this stage and just wait. Probably when I get to Bell House. Phase three, they can, I'll ask them to start coming. I will go over to, uh, you know, the Fish uh, rehearsals practice space and we'll have a jam session with Fish um, playing 
they play in the background um and then we mute all their instruments and we just play a studio album uh but not a fish uh of the string cheese inc- incident and then and then we'll jam we'll have a jam session what is the amber of it all in the sense of does she ask like how did it how did it go does she kind of well, she on? always asks how how's it, how, how it goes and uh but in that kind of cursory way the same way i ask her how something goes like hey how was it and they tell you and then you know um and you can get a sense if somebody really wants to talk about it i don't really uh, at this stage at least until she's knows it and knows the references and stuff but she will be extremely helpful once i invite her into the process and it's nice it's a nice invitation it's on like a kind of a cream ivory uh you know thick stock uh, gold embossed calligraphy uh there's a wax seal um it's sent by a pigeon um you know it, it's the only way i would invite amber to anything because i respect her I'll leave you with this. You did say something to me today that no matter what your fog is about the surgery or the procedure, the mindset of you, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, what was on your mind tonight? Um, well, definitely tonight was not ideal. I, I'm definitely in a bit of a fog. Uh, there's a little kind of diary of the mouth where I was just talking and I was trying to find my way. It was, it was, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great because of that, and uh, like I'm talking to you now, and I'm just like, I, I truly think I've lost thirty five to forty five percent of my vocabulary that would be at my command or, or at the ready, but I just don't have the words for things, and that's uh, you know, that's literally everything you have as a comic are words. So yeah, I don't know. Are you going to take a mulligan? I guess kind of. Yeah, I mean, but this is the time to do it. And it was still fun. I tried to get everybody their paltry money's worth. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted to make sure people had a good time. And um, I I don't know how much I will gain from this particular set. As I said, I'll go back. I know I riffed a couple of good lines. But honestly, if I get five new lines a, lot, a night or five ideas that blossom into some other thing and also really good suggestions from the audience, very good, very helpful. I mean, that's worth a lot that's worth a lot Right there. That's it. That is David's assembly. David created art, then showed it to people. They responded, and now he'll take it from there, regardless of where or how far or for how long he takes it. He's taking something from each part, and so have I. Tea with David, lunch with Amber, secret meetings with comics on their lunch hours. Muscle relaxers, phone alarms, spam risks, 
expats from Montana, bocce balls, and some of the most fun and enlightening phone calls, and yes, even Zooms, that I have ever had the privilege to place. This assembly made it clear. Do the work. Do the thing. Make the date. Share. Listen. Engage in the dialogue. Stay open. Manage your ego. Repeat. There's no success or failure. It's face up and take a shot. Make and miss. Joe Strummer once said, no input, no output. And he was right. Well, Joe Strummer was usually right, but I digress. Yes, what we make is never entirely up to us, whether it's a laugh or a shout. But if we never put the thing in motion and face front with it, we never make the sound. So, as we end this assembly, and David and I part, I'll split the difference with him. Yes, maybe at times this week I was trying to firmly grasp the obvious, but I never placed more importance on anything than it deserved. Sometimes we don't have access to the most obvious truth, and sometimes only a tourist can see the beauty in our own backyards and our basements. Oh, and not everything is teachable. Some things, some people, we kind of just have to be around to see their lives and their work a little more closely and apply that meaning to ours. Assembly is created and produced by me, Robert Malazzo. Original music for this season is by Fred Armisen. The Assembly theme is by A&R. Visit our website, theassemblypodcast.com. Send any questions, comments you have. You can also suggest an assembly you'd like me to feature on the show. And of course, you can contribute there. Your contributions are incredibly appreciated. I promise. Assembly is a presentation of the Modern School of Film. Consequence Podcast Network.